Welcome to the IAAI's March 2011 CFITrainer.net podcast. This month, our podcast features an advanced look at some of the fascinating courses that will be taught at IAAI's 2011 annual training conference. ATC 2011 takes place May 1st through the 6th in Las Vegas, Nevada. IAAI is bringing together many of the top instructors in fire investigation, giving the membership an unprecedented opportunity to hone their skills in a diverse range of topics. Courses offered include changes to NFPA 921, investigating gas-related fires, debunking the myth that low-voltage assemblies cannot cause fires, electronic evidence, new photography techniques, using the scientific method, interrogation, and the lessons learned from the SOFA Superstore fire in Charleston, South Carolina. Earlier today, I spoke with a few of the instructors who will be presenting at ATC 2011. They gave us a little bit of a preview to their courses. We'll start out with Barry Grimm. I'm at ATC this year to uh, discuss, um, uh, actually I'm working uh, as a practitioner with a chemist uh, by the name of Cherie Wells, um, talented young lady who has been a chemist uh, for, for quite a number of years. And what we're trying to do is some critical thinking for uh, some forget forensics that we think are many times forgotten by uh, investigators. Traditional ignitable liquids are sometimes the the only thing that we think we may be able to recover, and it's kind of our mindset to say, no, let's let's really take a look at this total picture. And as uh, many of us know, you're you're there on your own. You know, I mean, you are you are everything when you work fire scenes. You usually don't get a CSI, so you have got to capture whatever evidence is there and that's kind of what we're talking about you know think think outside the box a little bit a little bit of critical thinking uh skills to say you know what there is i'm i'm far enough here away from the the point of origin that i have relevance to the particular item i know it was handled there's you know dave and i were talking this morning a guy uses a knife and stabs somebody, uses the same knife to open the little crummy wooden jewelry box that is locked. So he cuts himself while he's doing that. What's our pecking order here? I've got, he throws the knife down. He's, cover, he's doing a crime concealment fire. I want the knife. Is it the knife that opened the box? Is it further the knife? Is the blood on it belong to the victim or does the blood belong to the defendant? Are there prints on the blade of the knife? Do I first put it in a superglue tank, or am I going to destroy serology? And this is why I like the idea of Cherie and I kind of working together. You got a practitioner and a professional. You got a lab. Per- you, the, our crux is going to be: you got to embrace science, and you got to know. Even if you only know a chemist, she's going to tell you: you know what? It's a little bit out of my ballpark because I like stuff always to be in a one-gallon container but I am going to transfer you to my buddy in serology and just ask him that question. Go to your lab, take a tour of it. Don't be a stranger. Don't let those faces be just a voice on the phone. Put a face to the call and and you'll be doing yourself a big justice and your lab will just be like, man, this guy is really on track here and you won't be sending them spin their wheels kind of stuff. What are, what's interesting or surprising? Um, Well, I think, uh, we're going to be talking not only about 
traditional uh, traditional evidence uh, in ignitable liquids and its escape path and areas that it may very well be hidden in, uh, where we we may have a Rather than cursing the lab, it may be a poor sampling technique, but we're going to talk about uh, where DNA may have survivability and how fragile it is uh, you know, to heat, but it doesn't mean that it's not on your scene. And the scene, to many fire investigators, just narrows itself down only to the area of origin. But it doesn't mean that there wasn't survivability of evidence to include uh, fingerprints, uh, trace evidence, hair, fibers, uh, transfers, uh, mechanical fits, uh, fracture marks, uh, fluids, body fluids. So we're going to try in a, in a short period of time to touch and give, uh, and give investigators an idea to say, you know what, maybe if I step back, I could see the forest without the trees being in the way. So this is something that Cherie and I are going to going to try and get across to our audience at ATC. This is Jim Allen, and Joe Conifal and myself are teaching a one-week course on the fundamentals of fire investigation. Both of us have prior law enforcement experience, mine with a sheriff's office for approximately 10 years, and Joe's uh, with a DPS agency uh, for approximately 10 years. This course covers all of the new and problematic issues relating to fire investigation uh, because we deal with the new problematic issues uh, found in both uh, NFPA 1033 as well as the brand-new 921. So what's interesting or surprising for the attendees this year during your course? Uh, obviously, the major change uh, is the issues of last year's ni- uh, 1033, uh, which lay out a mandated series of classes uh, that every investigator must have before they can meet the requirements, uh, the job performance requirements of 1033. And obviously, for anyone going into the court setting, uh, either as a civil or criminal investigator, one of the first questions is going to be, do you meet the 1033 standard? As a result of this mandated list of courses, Joe and I have included the vast majority of these mandated courses uh, along with handout material in uh, the current class. I'm Carrie Clinkenbeard, and the course that I'm teaching is Effects of Ignoring the Scientific Method and How What You Say and Do as an Expert Can Be Used Against You in a Court of Law. What we will be doing is walking through the various pitfalls that experts can fall into when uh, conducting investigations and giving an opinions based upon those investigations. 
um, looking at each step of the scientific method, which everyone should be familiar with, and um, find uh, cases where, and, and we'll go through the cases where experts have been limited or their opinions have been excluded for failing to follow one or more of those steps of the scientific method and, and the fact that courts are actually calling out the scientific method specifically, um, as well as NFPA 921 and, um, and, and excluding those experts based upon the, the specific steps that are laid out in the scientific method. Um, in addition to that, we'll look at uh, the rise of litigation against experts themselves, fire investigation experts, as well as other types of experts themselves arising out of the work that they've done. And those lawsuits come from, you know, opposing parties that were affected by something that that expert did or their own clients, strangely enough. Um, and those claims include uh, claims for defamation, where they, they will claim that the expert has said something that has defamed an opposing party um, in their testimony testimony and, and how the testimonial privileges may or may not apply to that, failing to follow the standards of the scientific method, and, and if that results in the exclusion of the expert's opinion to the detriment of the client's case, then that may be the form of a breach of contract case. And then there's a whole slew of new cases that are coming out where experts are sued as third parties um, for spoliation or destruction of evidence. What interesting or surprising things do you think attendees will learn from your course? I think one of the most interesting things that they'll learn is, you know, there's there's sort of a difference of opinion about uh, NFPA 1033 and 921 and, and whether that is considered a guide or a standard. And there's definitely a split pretty much down the middle as to whether they, they see it as a guide or a standard. And, and I think what the experts will find interesting is the slew of cases that have come down. There have been at least 10 in the past year from across the country that specifically call 9 21 out as a standard, um, and you know we've seen quotes out of some of those cases, the golden standard, and um, you know the golden document for how experts are to conduct their investigations. And so I think that'll be probably be one of the most interesting things that they'll find, or surprising maybe that even the courts are calling it a standard, and what effect that may have on the work that they do. Um, and then they might find interesting that some of the pointers that we give them to help protect themselves both from exclusion obviously, exclusion of their opinions, obviously, and then how to protect themselves um, and even to the point of insuring themselves, having insurance policies against these third-party lawsuits for the work that they've done. We're grateful for our instructors taking a few moments to uh, let us know what's going to be happening at this ATC in May. Thanks for your time. There's still time for you to register to attend ATC 2011. Take these important courses. Network with your fellow professionals in fire investigation. See the latest tools and equipment available and take advantage of all that Las Vegas has to offer. You can register online at firearson.com. We have direct links for you on this podcast webpage. That concludes this IWI CFITrainer.net podcast. We'll see you again next month. And we hope to see you at ATC 2011.